0: Mr. Pan Sloan, Head of Partnerships, Policy and Communications at the United Nations Capital Development Fund. Welcome to season two of Capital Musings, UNCDF's podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas and new innovations that serve our mandate to make finance work for the poor in the world's least developed countries. You can find our Capital Musings podcast on Apple, Spotify, or our website, www.uncdf.org. Today, we have the great pleasure of having His Excellency Ambassador Perk Salgoya, permanent representative of Malawi to the United Nations, joining us today. Malawi is the head of the least developed countries group at the United Nations, representing the world's 46 LDCs. Sir, it's a pleasure to have you with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Esther.
0: Please tell us about your background, Ambassador. What led you to public service?
1: My background, I'm an economist by profession, and I started my service back home in Malawi at the central bank. I was governor for the Reserve Bank of Malawi, and I also worked for the IMF as senior economist and at the Ministry of Finance as assistant to the minister. This was under a World Bank project. What That after the stint in the central bank is when I was posted as a diplomat, as ambassador to India. I've served in India, Sri Lanka, Kenya, and now here at the UN in New York. But in Kenya, you know, there is UNEP, which is in Kenya. I was also permanent representative to UN Habitat and UNEP in Kenya. And I arrived here in New York in in 2018. I'm clocking three years now. Public service is all I have done (laughs) in my life.
0: And when you were growing up, sir, did you think that you would end up in the government? Was that where you thought your career would head?
1: Yes, because in Malawi at that time, I, I got my first degree in 1981. And at that time, the government was the main employer for economists. So almost 90% of graduates at that time were ending up being employed by the government.
0: Excellent, and I'm sure the government's very happy to have people of your caliber and skills serving in the public service.
1: I'm glad to serve my country, yes.
0: So please tell me, sir, how have LDCs weathered the COVID-19 pandemic? What kind of impacts are you seeing in Malawi and other least developed countries?
1: The pandemic is devastating. Both health, social and economic. For health, it has shown that our countries, LDCs, were badly prepared for eventualities of this kind. We don't have the infrastructure, We don't have the hospitals, the ICUs that can take these cases. And in some countries, in the LDCs, they don't even have the ventilators. You have for the whole country, maybe just 10 ventilators. And you cannot handle as many cases as we have in our countries. Now, you realize that for medication and with the pandemic, the vaccines and everything masks these are all imported in our countries and the fact that we lack foreign exchange for the importation of most of these things adds to the pressure for governments that already pressured by other Priorities to put money into the pandemic and resolving the issues of the pandemic. That's the 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 health part. So we are asking the international community to assist. And we are very lucky that through WHO, the COVAX facility is the one that is going to help most of our countries. Malawi, like other countries, will be receiving vaccines through the COVAX facility. Socially, this has, again, is having very big impacts. I'll give you, apart from the loss of life, I mean, of people, you know, people have lost jobs. And for school-going kids, we see that in the developed countries, kids are still continuing with their school because they can do it digitally from home. And this is not the case in our countries because the facilities like computers or the connectivity, digital connectivity is not adequate. And the consequence of this is that for young girls, for example, who have not been going to school, They end up indulging in other things and getting early pregnancies, early marriages. So socially, this is devastating to all our economies. Economically, that's the worst thing we ever had in recent years, that because governments have had to put a lot of resources into solving the problems of the pandemic, we have ended up increasing our debt. And the issue of debt is so important that we have reached out to the international community for a special stimulus package for our countries. And, you know, after the Second World War, for Europe... Had it not been for the Marshall Plan injection of a lot of money by the Americans, Europe would not have been where it is today. So in comparison, our LDCs, this pandemic is as bad. There is need, therefore, to pump in liquidity into our economies. Now, we have asked for debt relief. And we are glad that the the G20 have responded uh, positively to this. But we have and we continue to request them that the relief they have given us is not adequate because they have given us about a year to delay our reimbursements of, of the loans we have. The consequences of this pandemic are going to be with us for a long time. And we therefore require more time to pay the date. We also asked Esther, the IMF, through the IMF for the international community, to allocate uh, new SDRs so that they would give the liquidity that we need. This didn't work the first time around, but we're optimistic now that the new board of the IMF with the new American administration would look at this, this possibility and we cross our fingers.
0: Well, thank you, sir, for highlighting the devastating impact of the pandemic across all the sectors you mentioned for least developed countries. It does seem particularly unfair that even as LDCs, which were starting with the largest challenges of any country, were starting to make progress on their SDG goals, something like this pandemic comes along and hits them disproportionately hard when they were starting from the most challenging position in the first place. So the idea of a Marshall Plan to address the challenges of the pandemic is very, it makes a lot of sense because it's a comprehensive approach to building infrastructure, supporting institutions, and the kind of industrialization that African countries and LDCs have been asking for through the SDGs and through other mechanisms. What is the LDC group at the United Nations, sir? Could you please explain that to our audience? And what is your role as the leader of the group? And what role can it play in some of these large initiatives that you're talking about.
1: The LDC group is a group of countries that was formed in the 70s, I think 71. Currently, we are 46 countries in that group. These are the least developed to say that their per is the lowest and also development there at the bottom of the indicators of development. Now, 46 countries are still in there. Over the years since the creation of this group, we have had action plans. We have had four action plans, and an action plan is a set of goals that are in line with the 2030 Agenda in all the 17 goals. And we give ourselves those goals that by such, such a year, after the 10 years, we will get to this point. And the fourth plan of action, which was the Istanbul plan of action, came to an end in December 2020. Now we are planning to go into the fifth program for the LDCs. Now, this fifth program, the journey has already started, but the main conference for the LDC-5 will be in Doha in January 2022. But there are meetings, preparatory meetings that we are going to conduct. We have already started conducting, for example, for the African region. We just finished the African regional review of the istanbul program of action with people expressing what they want to see featured in the fifth program the aim is that by the end of 10 years which we are calling as you know the decade for action we will have a set of goals that we put into this LDC-5 document realistic goals that by 2030 we will have achieved what we want as LDCs, but we will also achieve the 2030 agenda.
0: And sir, from the African Regional Review, and we know there's an Asian Regional Review coming up, what are you hearing from LDCs that was not accomplished in the Istanbul program of action that will be priorities for the LDC5. We
1: have not done well in our priorities. Even before the pandemic, we were lagging behind. When you look at basic goals, uh, SDG goals, beginning with the very first one, poverty, we've seen that poverty is still rampant. In in most of our countries, and to make it worse, we hear that the pandemic is going to make it worse. We will have more poor people in our countries. Take hunger. Our goal is for zero hungry people in the world by twenty thirty. But what we are seeing is we have more than eight hundred people with insufficient food supplies. As you know. Now, oh, I'm mentioning these as basic or uh, SDG goals, but when we go in each of the goals, like energy, we don't have sufficient energy. Digital connectivity, we are lagging very much behind. So w- the question is why, apart from the big reason of the pandemic, why did we not perform accordingly? And we are looking for answers, and I'm very glad that the UNCDF, together with ANCTAD, together with UNDESA, are giving us analysis that is helping us a lot. The theme that is coming out already is uh, that we need to enhance our productive capacities and this is going to be our main theme going forward, and enhancing productive capacities is a a big thing that includes everything in the chain of production, even training capacity building of people in our areas. So already a theme is coming out from our consultations, and we will consolidate this, the Asia-Pacific Regional Review and Preparatory Committee meetings that we are going to have on the road to Doha.
0: Thank you, sir. So we're glad that productive capacities will be focused on because it's so important for LDCs. One thing we hear quite a lot from LDCs as well is the importance of financing to achieve any of these ambitious development agendas. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yes, uh, good question, because, you know, for all the plans that we have, the bottom line is we have to know how to finance our plans. And I'm sorry to say this, but maybe we, we were not quite elaborate in the past, linking our goals to the sources of financing. We were hoping for an increase in private sector participation, for example, ODA and domestic resources that through tax reforms as domestic sources of revenue for the government, we would be able to finance most of our activities. So the first thing is this time around, for every goal we want to put into document, We want to link it to financing. This is where institutions like UNCDF, the World Bank, IMF and other regional banks, the private sector and our partner countries need to come in fully in support of the LDCs. I will tell you that every country in the world has been impacted uh, negatively, of course, by the pandemic. And we understand why some countries may not be. A, in the position to increase their assistance. For example, of ODA, we have seen uh, some countries uh, who have already indicated that they will reduce, bit their ODA, understandably because they have their own problems in their own countries. But this is a call for solidarity that, as we put it, that no one is left behind. There is need for increased financing. Now, Oh, the other source is, uh, as I say, private sector participation. The problem we have is there is this myth. I call it a myth because it's not always true that going into LDCs to invest is so risky. You know, we need to demystify this. They are private sector players, important private sector players who have gone into our countries successfully and they're making money. And UNCDF, the World Bank, OECD are helping us with this concept of uh, blended financing. How can we use public sources of financing together with the private sector investors, come up with a, a blending of some kind to go into. Uh, this is something that is very attractive, and it has worked where we have done it. Now the call is uh, for the donors, for example, and the UN and everybody, the World Bank, the IMF, to to adopt these methodologies of blending with the private sector, because our countries, we have member countries that are so small, like, you know, Kiribati, Tuvalu, uh, their populations are so small that private sector, uh, the big players, would not be attracted to go to this. This is where we need uh, international solidarity, and public funds to go and help. So we should not leave everything to the private sector. We need all of us to intervene and bring in financing. Now, this is a very important question you have asked me because I want to highlight the role that we would want UNCDF to play uh, in helping us. You are already doing a lot as UNCDF, and I want to salute and welcome your new executive secretary, Ms. Sina. She has a wealth of experience, and it's good that she has joined us. With a lot of enthusiasm, it gives us a lot of hope that for our next 10-year program, we will achieve a lot together. But I, I have seen... That in the past, not all players, you know, sing the same song. I will give you an example, and this is a concrete example that everybody knows. That within the World Bank, there is the IFC that was given money for blended financing. I think it was more than two billion, two point five billion from IDA, IDA 18, and because of you know. I don't know the reasons for 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 them not to disburse those funds to the people who 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 need that money. They deal with oh, probably customers who are uh, who need a lot of money, as opposed to the small entrepreneurs in the LDCs who could make a big difference. Now, this is where. The work of UNCDF is so impressive because of the local development fund, the municipal investment fund, the local climate adaptation facility, because what we need to do is reach out to the local communities, ask them what their problems are, and then help them come up with a bankable project that can be funded either by public funds, blended funding. Now, UNCDF has a lot of such bankable projects. Why is it that if IFC cannot have such bankable projects, they link up with UNCDF, look at the bankable projects UNCDF already has and and utilize those resources. It pains us so much to hear that the world is awash with liquidity, when that liquidity is not flowing into our countries. And the pandemic, according to ANCTAD, the pandemic is going to reduce, if, if we go the same way we have been doing things, is going to reduce investment in our countries by up to 40%. I'm talking about private sector investment. We have to turn that trend and we count on institutions like the UNCDF, the World Bank, OECD and others to come help us. This is a call for action.
0: Thank you, sir. Well, we are proud to answer that call and to work with Malawi on exactly this priority of attracting more private sector and public sector resources to LDCs where they are needed the most. So, sir, your background is a little bit unusual for permanent representatives at the United Nations. I would say most other ambassadors have come through the foreign ministry, but you were the governor of your country's central bank. Does that shape your view on these new innovative finance methods for development?
1: It does. And I'm glad that the work I'm doing here rhymes very well with the work I was doing as governor because we started projects of digitization of the financial sector and also putting in frameworks for microfinancing and, you know, Pension Act, which we we did when I was still a, a governor. And you see, even in our countries, LDC countries, It is not true that the banks don't have the resources. They have the resources, but to convince them, we need a framework that assures them that the money they are lending out will be refunded, of course, to them. So the work of a framework and putting in measures or or, or guarantee measures in place is so important. Now... Why is that background of mine as an economist so important now? In Malawi, we have seen the fruit of the work that we started. For example, all the civil service salaries, pensions are now paid digitally. And this is a big plus. And we now have digital money transfers, you know, mobile money, which we did not have. I'm glad that it, it, it we started that in my time as governor we we, we were very enlightened and by countries like uh, Kenya you know they, they are well advanced in, 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 in that field and I'm glad that my my friend governor then of the Bank of Kenya uh, you know helped me to set up the mobile money banking which is helping a lot Of people. And you see, Malawi, for example, is more than 60% rural. And, you know, it facilitates the, the money transfers, facilitate their lives very much because, you know, they don't have to walk kilometers and miles to the next bank to get served. So um, I'm glad and now that, you know, the, the UN has now the roadmap for digital financing for SDGs. All that rhymes very well with what we need. The digital cooperation, say, in universal connectivity, you know, capacity building, the trust and security of the digital world. The infrastructure and the architecture, all those are part of the roadmap that we now have at the UN, and it it inspires us that going forward, we are going to make progress.
0: Well, and thank you, sir, for highlighting the critical impact of regulatory change within governments to spur things like innovation in certain sectors. Without the changes that you put in place when you were governor of the Reserve Bank of Malawi or the Central Bank of Malawi, these digitization improvements likely would not have happened. So if you could say one message to impact investors about LDCs, what message would that be?
1: The message is very clear. First of all, there is a solution to everything. If this perception that it is so risky or too risky to invest in LDCs is what most investors have, we have institutions that can work with you and put measures such as guarantees. We have institutions that are willing to give guarantees to the investors, private sector investors. We have frameworks, like in Malawi, we have the PPP framework that protects investors. If anything goes wrong, you know, legally, you have recourse to get your money back. And I'm very glad to say that it's not only in minerals because most investors in Africa are coming to invest in minerals, but there are so many, there are so many areas that need your investment. I've I've talked here about digital connectivity. That's an area that needs massive investment, infrastructure, all that needs investment. Now, private sector, I am inviting you. I am inviting you. And if you are not too sure about what I'm saying, come to institutions like UNCDF, like the World Bank, and other many institutions that are willing to assist. But we need you in LDCs, and there is money to be made in our countries. I thank you.
0: Thank you so much, sir, for highlighting both the opportunity available to impact investors as well as the many able partners who are present in LDCs to work with these partners to create win-win solutions for both investors and those seeking development outcomes. I'd like to congratulate you, sir, and also Malawi for being named the Economist Country of the Year in 2020. That was quite a notable honor for standing up for human rights and democracy in a very challenging year for everyone. And thank you for your work on behalf of LDCs here at the United Nations.
1: I thank you, Esther, and thank the whole of your team at the UNCDA. It pleases me that if there is a good song we are going to sing at the end of uh, this decade, will be a song that will be beautiful, and that all of us will feel proud to have composed part of that song. And this is the participation of all of us in encouraging, not only encouraging, but doing all that is necessary for our countries to succeed with the 2030 agenda. We don't want to leave anyone behind. And this is the decade of action. So let's go to action.
0: Thank you, sir. Well, we look forward to recruiting some new voices to our choir and singing a very beautiful song indeed by 2030. Thanks again, Mr. Ambassador, for joining us today. And thank you to our audience for joining us on UNCDF's podcast, Capital Musings. Once again, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and our website, www.uncdf.org.